Good morning, Parkway Church. So good to see you guys, Parkway Victoria, Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree, and Parkway Online. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mike Hurt. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's my privilege today to kick off an entire year of teaching where we are going to walk book by book through the Bible. We're going to start today, and we're going to get as far as we can this year. And my big goal, my big hope is that you would learn God's big story about every, like, major character in the Bible, every major idea or theological doctrine in the Bible, that you would know God's big idea, his story to us, and that you'd know what the big idea from the book of Genesis is. You'd know the big idea what the book of Numbers is. He's like, there's a book of Numbers? Yep, well, I'm not good at math, but it's okay, because <laughs> we're going to study together. You know what the big idea is behind every book and every major character and player in Scripture. Because here's what I hope to gain with you this year. A complete confidence in God's Word. As we teach the whole counsel of God's Word together, and we learn it in small groups, I want you to know that God's Word can be fully trusted. That God's Word speaks to our everyday lives. That God's Word addresses things that you and I care about, the Old and the New Testament alike. And so as we walk through Scripture, some of you are like Bible scholars. You've studied this and read this hundreds of times. I mean, you're beginning your Bible in a year program again, and that's awesome. There are also people among us that have never read the Bible before. And so whether you've never read the Bible before, or you would say, you know, Mike, I'm kind of I'm good with the biblical content. Let me just say that this series of teachings that we're going to do in 2018 has a message for all of us. Because God's word, we all have a next step to take, to obey it, to depend upon him and to trust him. We all have a next step to take. So wherever you are on that little pendulum, are you a scholar or are you this first time you're reading it? My hope and prayer is that God will, will just tug you to be a part of a small group where you can connect and talk about the scriptures more my hope and prayer is that God would pull you in and say, you need to worship regularly because the teaching is going to build one on another. And you're going to see God's big story unfold in the next 52 weeks. And it's going to be so much fun. So you, you, you guys with me? You guys want to learn the big story of God together from the Bible? You want to open our Bibles and learn what the word of God says and how we can live it? You want to do that, friends? All right, well, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. You voted yes, so we're going to do it. We're going to begin where you should begin. When you begin a journey, when you begin a study, when you begin a project, where do you begin? At the beginning, exactly. So we're going to begin in the book of Genesis. It's the easiest book of the Bible to find. Just go right past your table of contents, and there you are. In Genesis. If you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. We're going to put it up on the screens and we gave you a handout. If you don't own a Bible, I encourage you to stop by and pick up a new believer's kit on your way out. We'll give you a Bible today. If you forgot your Bible, you can borrow Bibles. We want you to open it up now as we learn together from Genesis chapter 1. Here's what the Bible says Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's stop right here. What we're going to learn about together is how God created the world. What we're going to learn about is how our world began. 
That's what we're going to learn about today. But there's a foundational truth that we see in verse 1. That before anything was, God is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before anything was, God is. People will ask, you know, who created God? No one created God. God created everyone. Some would ask, who came up with this whole idea of higher power and calling him God? No one came up with the idea of a higher power and calling him God. The reality is this. Before anything was, God is. Now the earth, what's happening? Verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We see a picture of our planet. It's unformed. It's, it's dark. Yet God is hovering over it. So our God is not only eternal, but our God is all-present. Kind of like your mom. She's everywhere and knows everything. And our God, before anything was, he is. And he was hovering everywhere at the same time because he is God. And then the work of creation began, verse 3, and God said. How would God create? It would be with his voice. How would God make everything that we experience today? It would be with his voice. And I want you to get this. Because that means we serve a God that's not only eternal and not only present everywhere, but we serve a God who is all-powerful. We serve a God who has no limits because of who he is at his core and his character and his attributes. And we learn the first three verses of Scripture that this God that we worship together is eternal. This God that we worship together is omnipresent. This God that we worship together is all-powerful. And with his voice, he created. Before all things, he was. After all things, he will be. And with his voice, he created. So if you keep reading in Scripture, you'll learn that on day one, God created night and day. You can fill in that blank in your bulletin. Some of you may have learned this as a child, and you know the six days of creation and the seventh day of rest like the back of your hand. Others of us need to learn it and see it in print so we remember it because it matters. Day one, night and day. Day two, God created the sky and the sea. And after his work of creating each day, he would look at his creation and, and there was this little summation. And it was good. And it was good. God's first two days of creation, there's the day and the night, the sky and the sea. You say, Mike, do you believe that God actually created like the Bible says he created with his voice here? And I absolutely believe that God created with his voice as the Bible says. Two reasons. First one is this. It's included in Scripture, which means it's God's word to us. Everything that we have in Scripture, God's word, is inspired by him written by human authors, but given to us by God. It is infallible. There's no, like, there's no wrong in its teaching. It's always right. And it's inerrant. 
It's perfect, his word to us. So I believe it because of that. The second reason I believe it is because Jesus actually quoted about creation when he taught us about marriage in the book of Matthew. And if Jesus is going to quote the creation account, I'm going to believe the creation account. If the Son of God says this is how we were formed and who we were formed to be, I'm going to believe it. You know why? Because we're going to learn in just a minute, not only was the Father using his voice to create, but the Son and the Holy Spirit were a part of this creation process as well. Day three, what did God create? He, he, he crafted continents and vegetation began to grow. On day three, he created the land and the vegetation. Anybody go out yesterday and cut off frozen vegetation in your yard? Oh, what a day it was. What a day. Couldn't tell y'all are really excited about the freeze. <laughs> On day number four, God created the sun and the moon. See, Mike, here's a question. If on day one, God created night and day, then, then how could he create the sun and the moon three days later? A couple of answers on that. First one is this. When God created night and day, he was ordering our time. He was setting our schedules. And when God created the sun and the moon, he created reference points for light and heat and reflection. But never forget, there could be a night and a day with no sun. There could be a night and a day with no moon because God is the light of the world. Never forget, it's not our sun that sustains us. It's the Father God who sustains us. It's not our moon that reminds us it's time to rest. It's our Father God that reminds us it's time to trust. It's time to rest. Day number five, he created the sea creatures, which are the fish and the birds of the air. That big red fish you're chasing in the bay, You know who created it? God created it. That duck that was just flying home. God created it. You shot it. I'll eat it. On day six, what did God create? He created animals and mankind. He created the animals, that deer you shot a few weeks ago. See the theme in South Texas, friends? And then he made his greatest creation, the creation that he made in his image. He made men and women. He made Adam and Eve. And in the end of day six, God looked at the world, Adam and Eve, And he said, this is very good. We pause here because I want you to get this, that when God created and gave us this planet, gave us our lives, he gave Adam and Eve dominion, charge over the animals. He gave Adam and Eve the ability to have kids and the ability to to enjoy life with him. He gave them that. Because what God created was good. We may look around at our world and wonder what in the world is going on around us in 2018. But I want to pull you back to the beginning. Because it reminds you of who our God is. And it reminds you that what he created, including us, is good. 
And as we look at this story today, where our world began, let's finish it up. Genesis 2, 1 and 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. On the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and said, let the cowboys play on the seventh day. (laughs) Sorry, that's not what the word of God says. There's some error there. That was the word of Mike. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. We're going to talk in a few weeks about what it means to keep the Sabbath holy and what it means to have a day of rest. Because God, this is the created order. Six days of work, one day of rest. Six days of effort, one day of rest. Six days of labor, one day of rest. Because it shows who you and I are trusting. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So what happens on day seven? Day seven is rest. God looked at his creation and said, it is very good. It is so good that I don't have to keep working. I'm gonna rest. And he set apart that day and made it holy, which means that day of rest for us Sundays is different than any other day of the week. And so we look and we say, God, what's my takeaway from the fact that you are the creator and I am the creative. Well, that's what we're going to dive into next. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about a friend of mine who was my pastor in Washington. His name is Lon, and, and Lon was an amazing Bible teacher. He could open the Bible and, 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 and teach in such a way that things would jump off the page, and you'd go, I never saw it like that. And he was accurate and, and profound in application, and he's an amazing teacher and led McLean Bible Church for um, almost, almost 40 years. And Lon did something in his messages that was, that was his signature. He would teach a passage of Scripture like I just taught a passage of Scripture. And then he would ask the most important question of the day. And Lon loved this most important question of the day because it was the transition from teaching to application. And it was just a two-word question. So what? And Lon loved this expression so much that every message he preached, and there was a church of thousands, every message he preached, halfway point, people would yell at him. So what? That sounds like a nightmare to me. Halfway through, people start yelling at me. But for him, oh, it was a moment. Well, Lon retired in November. And is no longer the senior pastor at McLean. So in tribute, in honor to my friend, I want to do, so what, this series. So on the count of three, we're going to ask the most important question of the day. And we're going to do it at every location. You with me, Parkway? We're going to know in just a minute. So on the count of three, so what? One, two, three. So what? Oh, Jonah was all over that. Like, he was like, I've been born for this moment. Oh, I see why you asked that question. 
because it fills my body with adrenaline. It woke up the dude sleeping on the back row. I see why you do it. That's awesome. Say, so what, Mike? So what that our God is eternal? So what that our God is all-powerful? So what that our God is always present? So what that he created with his voice and rested on the seventh day? So what that he created man in his own image? So what, Mike? So what difference does this make in my life today? First thing is this. Because God is the creator and we are the creative, everything that we have see, and experience is God's. You and I are not owners. You and I are stewards. You and I are not owners. We are managers of what God has given us. This is an entire worldview. When you believe that God created you, me, and everything we have, know, and experience, then you see yourself not as in charge, but you see yourself instead as a steward, a manager of everything God has given you. Has he given you relationships? You're a steward of those relationships. How you live in those relationships matters to God. Has he given you a job? You are a steward of the job that God has given you. What you do for work can be worship unto God. What has God given you? You are a steward because he is the creator. Listen to what scripture says. Psalm 24, 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Everything is God's. Why? Because he made it. When we were teaching this exact truth to many of our kindergarten through fifth grade kids in the month of November, we had a, a, like a beach ball that looked like a globe. And we simply wrote the word God's on it. G-O-D apostrophe S, so that's a possessive, God's world. And it was so much fun to see the light come on your kids' eyes in their small group as they talked about the fact that everything they have is God's and they should manage it because he's the one who created us. Listen to Colossians 1, 15 through 17. The Son of Man is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. See, Jesus was a part of the creation process. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Father, the, 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 Paul comes back and, and says, here's why that matters. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, that's Jesus, and for him, that's Jesus. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. Your life was created by Jesus for Jesus. And it works best when you understand that he holds all things together. Your job is to manage your job is to steward. 
Your job is to enjoy what he has given you in a way that honors him. The second thing we learn, not only is everything we have, see, and experience God's, but the second thing that we learn, because God is the creator, is this. All creation longs for God. Another way to put it, you were created and I was created to worship God. And all creation worships him. When you see those stars in the sky, it's a celebration of who God is. When you see the wonders of his works, it's a reminder, it's a declaration of worship unto God. Jesus was speaking in Luke 19, verse 40. He said this, I tell you, he replied, if they are kept quiet, if people are kept away from me, if they are kept quiet, the stones will cry out. You see, the created is designed to worship the creator. That's why you and I gather as believers to sing and to pray. That's why you and I as believers gather in small groups so that we worship him together. That's why you and I as believers, we obey him and we pray to him and we trust him because those are acts of worship. And if we don't worship him, nature will. If we don't worship him, the rocks will cry out. So I invite you to worship him with all of your lives because you were created to worship God. Now there's a little tension in the world. The world's not as God designed it in in Genesis 1 and 2 at this point as we stand here at the cusp of 2018. Our world compared to Adam and Eve's world. How many of y'all would like to have lived in Adam and Eve's world before the fall, before sin? A world where you're relating with God on a daily basis? A world where there is fruit and animals and you've got dominion? A world where you're naked all the time? Anybody? We don't live in that world anymore. Because of the effect of sin, our world is fallen and broken. The systems are corrupt. People without Christ are dead in their sin. This is the truth of God. And yet we all long to worship him. And yet we were created to worship him. Listen to what Paul says about all of this. Romans 8, 19 through 22. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. There's coming a day when all of this is going to be made right, when Jesus returns. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it to it, and hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Paul looks at the world and says, we live in a world that isn't as it should be. There is sin and hurt and pain and struggle. And it shouldn't be that way. But that's not the final statement on our world. There is coming a day when all of this will be redeemed and all of this will be remade. There's coming a day. 
And I remind you of this because I want to make sure that as believers in Jesus Christ, that we live our lives as an act of worship unto God instead of drifting with a broken culture. So many times we look around at what's happening in the world today and we make decisions based on a system that's broken and dead. We make decisions based on how things are today. Friends, the world is in the, it's groaning. It's in the pains of childbirth. Ladies, how many of y'all would like to live for the rest of your life in the pains of childbirth? No. Guys, how many of you would like to live for the rest of your life with a kidney stone? That's our world. And why do we choose to match our lives to a culture that's fallen and broken when we have a chance to worship God, obey and depend, trust on him instead? He is the creator. We are the created. Now I want to pick up the pace. The third thing we learn from Genesis 1 is that we have no excuse before God. I hear it all the time. Why would a loving God send people to hell that haven't had an opportunity to hear about Jesus? Why would a loving God do that? And when you understand how God created, and you understand how God shows himself to the world, you know that we have no excuse. We are all accountable to God. Psalm 119, or Psalm 19, 1 through 4. Let me get it right. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. See, what the psalmist is saying here is that God's creation declares his glory. Then when we look up and see a starry night in South Texas, when we look out over the coast of Matagorda Bay, when we look out at Magnolia Beach, and we look out and we see the beauty of his creation, he is declaring his divine nature. He's declaring his divine goodness to the ends of the earth. See, God is showing himself through creation so that we know we're not the result of a big bang, so that we know we're not the result of evolution over time. We're the result of divine creation, a, a God who loves us and gave us life to have with him. Nature declares this. Growing up, I wasn't raised in church. Went every now and again, but didn't go very often at all. But I was raised in the kind of neighborhood where you played until dark. And you had to come home when the street lights came on, right? Boy, those were the days. Our kids, they don't play that way. But that's how we played. And so we would be out all day playing until those street lights came on. In the summertime, it could be 845. Street lights come on. Okay, Mikey Hurt, going to ride up Pitch Pine Drive. Time to go home. And I would look out as I'm putting my bike in the garage to my friend's house to see if he made it home too. And above Jeff's house, the moon would rise. And I remember looking up in that moon and wondering, is the man in the moon Jesus? I didn't know that Jesus was the son of God. I didn't know that Jesus created the heavens and the earth 
with God. I didn't know that Jesus gave his life for me. I didn't know any of that, that I needed him. But here I am looking at a beautiful sky, sweaty, dirty, nasty. And I'm wondering about God and very specifically his son, Jesus. You see, God declares his glory through his creation. When you see the Grand Canyon, when you see the world that he has crafted for us, how can you deny his existence? People often say, how can a loving God send people to hell if they never heard of him? And I respond back with this scripture. How in the world could people miss the loving God with his grand creation all around us? How in the world could people miss God who gave us all of this to point us to himself? How could we miss it? That's the question. It's not that God's accountable to us. We're accountable to him. Say, Mike, is the man in the moon Jesus? You have to come back next week for that. I'm just joking. That's a cheap trick. I'm not going to mention it ever again. But the point here is this. We all are accountable to God. Romans 1 verse 20. Here's what the Bible says. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. We have no excuse. We're accountable to God. We're his managers. He's given us life. We are designed to worship him. And the last thing, and it may be the most profound for you today. As we learn from the creation story, nothing is too hard for God. How did God create? With his voice. If God can create all that we know, have, and experience with his voice, is anything too hard for God in your life? If God is able to create the universe, if he is eternal, if he is all-powerful, you see, if he is always present, is there anything too hard in your life for him? I'll just answer that for all of us. No, nothing is too hard for God. Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You serve and worship and depend upon a mighty God who is trustworthy. When you see that sunrise tomorrow, remember, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing. Ah, sovereign Lord. You want proof that nothing's too hard for you? Just look at creation. In Psalm 121, 1 and 2. When you're hurting, I just want you to remember this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Friends, nothing is too hard for God. And when you cry out to him, when you depend upon him, when you trust him, when you need him, know this. Your help is coming from the maker of heavens and earth. He can care for you and meet your need. He will care for you and meet your need according to his perfect plan for your life. You can count on it every time. His promise never fails. 
So what did we learn? We learned that everything we have seen and experienced is God's. He's the creator, we're the created. What did we learn? All creation longs to worship him. And we were designed to worship. We live in a world that's broken and fallen, dead in sin. So we shouldn't model our lives after a broken culture, but instead we should worship God with all of our lives. We learn that we have no excuse. We're accountable to God. And then finally we learn that nothing is too hard for God. And some of us today need to put actions to our faith when we say nothing is too hard for God. If you came to church today and you were hoping that God might do something in you or for you because you're facing something that is too hard for you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. The rest of us are going to be seated, but you're going to stand. And as you stand, the church around you, the people of God around you, they're going to come and lay a hand on you and pray for you. It's the church being the church. Because nothing is too hard for God, and you're not alone. We're going to do this. Friends, together we're building relationships that build disciples. And I am so glad that you're a part of this. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open our Bibles and learn and grow today. Lord, I pray for believers throughout our church family. Lord, I pray that they would know that they're the managers of all that you've given us. Lord, I pray that they would live a life of worship unto you because we have no excuse. And God, I pray that they would trust you with all of themselves because nothing is too hard for you.